What's up, guys? We're gonna choose podcast. My name is Saul Monoli at Saul Monoli NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Michael Shapiro of SINI. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. Also joined by Alikan Bajani of the Athletic. Alikan, how you doing? Good. Hey, hey, Salman. Hey, Michael. So I am coming to you from an undisclosed hotel room in Las Vegas for NBA Summer League, and I got to tell you, it feels so good to be back here. Like it's blistering hot outside. I've lost some money at the casino, but I'm here. And that's all that matters. The, the pandemic was bad for a million more important reasons, but it really put a damper on the NBA's calendar. Like we haven't had summer league since 2019. And what a way to return. Like one of the most exciting rookie classes in years. And the Rockets have four different first round picks. One of which hasn't even played yet because of his buyout situation. Usman Garuba will be here in a couple days, but we did get a chance to watch the three other rookies, so we'll talk among, we'll talk about them today, amongst other things. Before we get into the Rockets specifically, what have you guys thought of this rookie class? We've seen a lot of breakout performances. Do you think this class will live up to the hype? Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like thus far it's going to be one that will be remembered for a while, I think. You know, you look at Jalen Green, who's obviously had a great debut. Cade Cunningham kind of struggled at the start. I thought he showed some really impressive flashes last night and I think also there's kind of a depth of this class running through the teens you know kind of dipping into the 20s there's a lot of good players in this class so you know it's a question of how many superstars you're really going to get I think that's something that no one really knows but it does seem like you know we'll have a lot of contributing players from this class for a long time which is something uh, you always want to see in the league so that's fun you know for me it, it's not just about those top tier guys even though although I think all you know all of them are going to be or are going to end up becoming stars but you're looking at the guys and the teens and the 20s and, and even some in the second round who have all um, showcased great skill. And I, I think when you're watching Summer League, you're wanting to make sure that you're learning how to play within your role and uh, and also just have your athleticism pop out. See how you're doing against actual NBA talent or other types of NBA talent. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that. There are types of players who are not going to get a lot of playing time are going to probably be in the G League. But the fact that they're able to be successful now and much much more than kind of what we, we are used to seeing from people at that young age. I think it kind of showcases how great of a draft class this was. Yeah, and like I think this is going to be like the thing with Summer League is it's a great place for like guards and like big men who like to score to stand out. So if you're any player that doesn't fill into those two categories, it's going to be really hard to show your impact. It doesn't mean you're not a good player. It just means like it's just hard to see your productivity. It's easier when you're a guard. It's easier to put up these numbers. And also like there are a lot of performances in the summer league that just don't pan out. Like it just like ends up being like a blimp. Like Kevin Knox was a, a famous guy who broke out here a couple years ago. And Kevin Knox is probably not going to be an NBA star. Uh, I have some news for you guys. He's probably not going to be what he was in the summer league. It's very hard to tell what's real, what's not. But it does, you know, it does bode well for you to perform here. Yeah, you know, I kind of think it's a thing with the Rockets where all three of their rookies that are currently here have performed well thus far. I think that we should have kind of a big red blaring light that says Summer League, you know, doesn't really matter. And I don't think, obviously, that this performance is going to lead to any Rockets playoff appearances down the road. But I think um, kind of what Alicon said earlier, the ability to show uh, flashes of yourself fitting within a system, playing alongside your guys well in the NBA. I think specifically, you know, Alper and Schengen has done a really good job, you know, just looking mature out there on the floor, being able to read the game well, you know, knowing when to pump fake and put it on the deck, knowing when to roll, when to pop. He's had some really impressive passes here. So I think kind of 
the maturity uh, that you're seeing from some of this rookie class is really impressive. And I think specifically from the Rockets, you know, the maturity of these three 19-year-olds is something we'll see grow throughout the year, but they seem to have a pretty good baseline i'd say to start things yeah it would just be nice to have like a beast of a rookie class that actually lives up to the hype like like we haven't had that since 2003 right like we had 2009 randomly be one of those rookie classes that just ends up being a beast but we haven't had one where we hyped it up as like there are a lot of star players at the top of this draft that actually ends up panning out to being there are a lot of star players at the end of this draft like i remember with wiggins and Embiid and jabari parker like that was a draft class that you know Everybody thought if you get one of those top three picks, you're fine. And obviously that didn't end up being the case. So like it would just be nice for us to like expect something and actually get it from this class. Yeah. Would you not say that 2018 qualifies for that though? You know, I guess I feel like the rookies nowadays might be a little more mature. I think we kind of had that dead zone right in 14, 15, 16. But the the recent classes, I think in 18 and this past rookie class, you know, they could be pretty special. Was this class was this past rookie class really that special? Like it's, I, I'm not gonna say it was bad, one. right? Yeah, like it was fine. Um, 2018 was good. You know, 2018 was good, but it, 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 I don't think it's gonna end up being one of those like pantheon level drafts. Like it's not gonna go up there with 03 or 96 or 2009. Frankly, I, I think when it comes to the draft, yes, we look at star power, but it's also about which uh, which players are still in the league even beyond their years, right? Even beyond the five to ten year period. And I think what the point Michael makes about this past year's draft, I just want to make a caveat. They didn't have a full offseason. They didn't have a full summer league. They didn't have any of that stuff. And and I think this is their first time kind of being in that sort of program. Um, And so so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I do agree, Michael, that the rookie class was still pretty impressive compared to what the circumstances were. That 2018 draft class, not just with its stars, but I just think with the role players, man, the incredible amount of role players you're seeing, Look at the NBA Finals, right? Look at Bridges. Look at all these guys. Like, there's there's a lot of great role players um, that can come from those types of drafts, and, and I think 2018 is one of them. So let's not bury the lead. Jalen Green faced off against Kate Cunningham yesterday, and I don't think it disappointed. I thought it was a really compelling matchup. You could tell both players took it very seriously because they both volunteered to guard each other. I don't think that was on... Uh, each of these coaches' minds, but I think they both these players volunteered to do that themselves. Um, my impression of Jalen Green as a summer in a summer league setting honestly isn't that different from what I thought of him in the G League. He's going to be an awesome scorer at the NBA level. He's really quick at driving to the basket. He always manages to stay engaged when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Really comfortable uh, shooter. Um, I guess what's different is he's he seems to be really really smooth and like. Like I in at the in the summer league right like that it's different for, it's it's different from doing that in the G League than doing that in the summer league setting and I I think I, that's that to me is particularly impressive like he's getting to his spot and it feels very natural it feels like he feels like a three or four year NBA vet uh, and I guess that's kind of what the G League does for you right he's going he's probably going to be the poster child to why you should go to the G League or at least explore that option instead of going to the college game. Um, he, he does a lot of cutting, which I'm sure Steven Silas will appreciate as he tries to implement green to his offense as a pick and roll operator. He's got a lot of room to grow. Like you saw how green he is when the Pistons started blitzing him yesterday. Like he's much more comfortable in isolation. Like he's way ahead of the curve there. Um, the defense was actually okay in that first game. 
and it was it was a little rocky in that second game, but I don't think it was anything too crazy. I'm 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 largely nitpicking. As of right now, he might be the leader for summer league MVP, and if he plays like this, he's going to be heavily heavily considered for rookie of the year along with Kate Cunningham. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of been everything you want to see and everything you could ask for from Jalen Green thus far. Like, yeah, of course he has a lot of room to grow, but I think Solomon, you make a really good point uh, about the G League development and him really showing uh, how that is a viable path, how that's a path that a lot of guys really should consider because I do think that there are parts of his game that you already feel are kind of mature. You can already see him uh, creating separation very easily against NBA defenders, as you kind of saw uh, in the G League, you see him being able to slippery, uh, slip and slide his way to the tin, kind of, you know, and finish over size, finish around size. He's definitely going to be a very strong scorer. He could be the leading scorer among all rookies. And, and yeah, am I going to, you know, ticket him for the Hall of Fame right away? I'd say no, but uh, he's been everything you could ask for thus far. And I really think that the G League seasoning is going to have a tangible impact this year. You know, there's a few things I'm keeping in mind, guys, and just, you know, piggybacking off of what you guys said when I'm watching. Uh, him in summer league a few of those things i'm going to start off with first of all how he's operating on the court you mentioned you know him playing off ball that's going to be very big to start the game um usually it's a guy um like Kyrie thomas or josh christopher who's bringing the ball up and also initiating the offensive actions out of five out he's been primarily off the ball there they're trying to get him going through dribble handoffs early in transition they'll give him the ball try to run pick and roll or high pick and roll early that's something I think will be a very common occurrence, even at the NBA level, kind of get him comfortable playing fast and kind of getting into those screens and actions fast. In the half court, I think he still has a ways to go. That's not to say he won't get there. It's just that the way defenses are going to play him, and you saw that a little bit yesterday, they're going to play weak or kind of like ice coverage against him, force him to go left, uh, force him to go to his left hand, which is not his dominant hand. When that happens, is he going to settle? Is he going to pass? What is he going to do? They're going to play... Um, to his weaknesses, and, and I think you know that's something I'm, I'm interested in seeing um, over these next uh, fi- the final three games here. How does he continue to improve from game one to game two, and now from game three, four, or five? What does he do when they start attacking his weaknesses, which is one thing they did yesterday? The second thing I'm going to point out is defense. You know, you, you talked about him staying engaged when he's off the ball offensively. He got he has to do a better job of staying engaged defensively. Um, you know, he had, you know, three rebounds early on in that first quarter start. You know, he, the Sagoon was clearing out the rebounds. Martin was getting some too, but he has to just be better at boxing out, kind of making sure he's maintaining, maintaining, uh, um, the box out from, from those perimeter players and kind of just using that to push in transition, kind of get his opportunities there. And also he's not usually going to be the one to get attacked. They're probably going to hide him in the corner or ask him to be a help player from the nail or, or on tags. He's really he's improved on that from where he was in high school to the G League into now. Um, he just has to stay engaged. And I think the more they can kind of get him there, the more opportunities not only will he have on switches, but the more successful opportunities he have as he will have as well. He's athletic enough where he can become a good defender. The want is there. It just he has to you know slowly get there, and that that the part of that is just making sure that he stays engaged on the end of the floor. Yeah, if I were to think of one word to describe his game it's just smooth he's just really really smooth like he he gets to his spots and it doesn't feel like there's, there's even that much effort there like I, I thought that that first quarter like he really t- he really let the matchup stuff get to his head and like tried to be like tried to do stuff that he wasn't comfortable doing 
and obviously the blitzing did help as well. But like when he let the game come to him in that in that second, third, and fourth quarter, he played a lot more comfortable, and he got to the free throw line a lot. Like that 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 I think is really impressive with the fact that he's able to get to the free throw line like eleven times a game. Obviously, it's a summer league game, but like the fact that he's able to do that is really impressive. The fact that he can get to that mid range jumper whenever the hell he wants, like that is a really really big positive, especially in the playoffs like that's a shot that is really really valuable teams take away the threes and if you can get to that mid-range jumper pretty much whenever you want and get separation as you talked about michael that is a really big advantage to have in your back pocket um but yeah he's been really impressive he's been really really impressive he's looked like the second overall pick this episode is brought to you by jackson hewitt this year there's more at stake with your taxes than ever thousands more new tax credits could mean a bigger refund and jackson hewitt tax pros are here to help you track down every last credit credits for having a baby going back to school caring for a parent and even becoming self-employed get credit for all you do and you could discover thousands of dollars in new tax credits schedule an appointment with a tax pro and learn more at jacksonhewitt.com You know, one other thing I kind of wanted to mention, um, actually, Contender, you guys brought it up, is the cutting ability. I think it's going to be very helpful early on, especially not so too far forward, but with Kevin Porter Jr. kind of as his running mate. I think a lot of the offense will still run through Kevin Porter Jr. I think he will kind of act uh, alongside John Wall, depending on the unit situation, as kind of a de facto point guard. And Green's ability to play off the ball, I think it's going to be important for the success of his rookie year. One encouraging thing we saw against Detroit, you know, is that kind of catch and shoot ability too, which was something that was a little shaky in the G League, right? Last night, he caught uh, the ball on the wing with the shot clock running down, hit a quick trigger three over Cade Cunningham. And you can see that while the percentages in the G League weren't perfect, he feels confident pulling the trigger as an off-ball player, which is, I think is an important thing. You see a lot of guys come into the league. They're very athletic. They can play with the ball in their hands, but when they're a standstill shooter, the ball's real crooked. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case with Green. I think no. we're going to see some strong stretches. We'll see some streakiness, sure, as a rookie, but I think overall, as he evolves, he's going to be both a strong uh, player with the ball in his hands and then also as a cutter and a spot-up shooter, which I think is something that's really encouraging. My, Michael, one, one one point I want to highlight and kind of just, you know, em- emphasize based off what you're just talking about is, you know, not only is he moving, but he's staying engaged when he has to move to maintain spacing. Um, I think the best example of that is the last three-point shot he had um, over Kate Cunningham and everybody's making a big deal about him letting out a yell or whatever the case may be. But what was the process like to get there? Anthony Lamb had the ball in the post. He stayed patient, drew in the defender. Kate Cunningham kind of, you know, cheated inside a little bit. Lamb found Green wide open because Green was moving towards finding space um, and, and kind of finding that, pa- creating that passing lane for Lamb to uh, to pass to. I think stuff like that is something I'm seeing a lot, not only with Lamb but also with Sangoon. When Sangoon has the ball at the high post, you know, kind of Green using his weight to navigate around Sangoon screens. There's a play also yesterday, and it was an after timeout set. Will Weaver, by the way, did a great job with those. He's been really impressive, um, by the way, yeah. with his offensive mind. Uh, but there was there was an after timeout set where he uh, Jalen Green came off of a, a a flare screen, and he used Sangoon's you know just body to be able to get um, get that chip away that defender off of him. Got the separation, not going three. So he he's doing a great job of moving using his screens and also just maintaining proper spacing. And stuff like that is something that you really want, especially 
an offense like this where, guys, he's going to be having the playoff of John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. He's not going to have the ball in his hands a lot. And the sooner and, and the more comfortable he gets in that role, the better and actually easier it's going to be for him his rookie year. Yeah, and he plays like a classic star shooting guard with the modern twist, right? Like he has the sidestep threes. He has the step back threes. Uh, so he's, he's, he's playing like everything you would want as a star shooting guard prospect to be. But the thing is, in today's NBA, your typical star shooting guard prospects are able to play make, at least at an at a average to a above, slightly above average level, right? Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, these guys can play make. So that stuff has to get better. He has to get better in the pick and roll. But overall, I mean, like this is a really start solid starting point. Like he has all these areas to, to grow in, but he's already polished in these all these other areas. And um, I'm actually going to have to eat a little crow here in a little bit. But before I do... I, t- I, I want to take this time to do a little mini, mini victory lap here on El Perun Sengun because li- <laughs> listeners of the show know I've been really high on Sengun and I've been singing his praises for the past few weeks. He's been one of my, he's been one of the th- three most polarizing players in this draft. I'd say along with like Jalen Johnson and Zaire Williams, like you talk to different people, you're going to get like different opinions, but listen, man, like Sengun's an absolute beast. He's a, he's just a beast. Like he's an, He's awesome getting the free throw line. He has really good touch around the rim, really good footwork. Uh, the post moves are on point. He's in, he's an instinctual passer, right? The, like the nutbag pass was nuts. Like the, the like if that play went through, it would have been a monster highlight. He's really really quick twitch quick twitch with that stuff. Like he finds guys cutting to the rim. He finds guys at the three point line, and he's uber confident. Like he he took a three. Like yesterday, like three feet behind the line, and it was just not. That's not in his bag. He doesn't. He doesn't even take three pointers that often. But he he was just feeling hot. He took a. He had another play where he he dribbled the ball behind his his back, like in the paint area, which is extremely risky. Like he was facing up. He dribbled behind his back. Then he spin moved and went for a layup. Like it was really really pretty. Like like that kind of footwork is just unheard of. So. Listen, man. Like, I, I, I'm gonna take my victory lap here. That guy is awesome. I think he's gonna be an awesome NBA player. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if he'll be a star. We'll see. But like, I, I think he's, I think he's gonna find his way to playing time pretty soon. I, he might spend some time in the G League for a little bit. But like, I think he's going to be a fixture in the NBA. It's hard for me to see him busting. I think it, I think it is a well deserved uh, victory lap as much as you can have one through two summer league games. I mean, look, he's felt. Uh, he's looked really comfortable uh, on the professional stage here on, on the NBA stage, even if it is in Vegas, you know, he was the Turkish league MVP. So it's not like he's a totally anonymous player, but just his feel for the game, I think has been so, so impressive. It's the same kind of thing that was touted when he came out from Turkey, but to see him show it very quickly, you know, it didn't seem like he was uh, a deer in the headlights at all whatsoever. He seemed to be able to put it on the deck, make some impressive passes, face the floor a little bit, albeit not to the three point line. He's going to be a bit of a defensive disaster, I'm sure, but I think it was a very smart uh, kind of high upside play from Rafael Stone. And, you know, you bring up something interesting, Solomon. I want to ask you and Olicon, do you think he'll start the season on the G League roster? Or do you think he'll be with the big club? Because uh, it has been impressive in Summer League, but again, two Summer League games, how much can you really take from that? I guess it really depends on how Sengun looks. I mean, not Sengun, Garuba, right? If Garuba mm-hmm. looks really, really awesome and usable and like, like someone you have to play that first season, then the big man rotation looks pretty crowded, right? But if mm-hmm. if Sengun is just that much better than Garuba right away, 
then you know i it might be garuba the guy the one that has to spend time with the g-league i don't know like i i I honestly don't know it's just really hard for me to figure out how to play all these guys in that big man rotation that big man rotation is pretty pretty um it's pretty big you got christian wood uh you got jay sean tate you got usman garuba you got alperun singoon uh and you got daniel tice so like you can't play all five of those guys, uh, and if your plan is to play is to play Jay Sean Tate as a wing, well, he's just not a good enough shooter yet to play the wing position at this point. And if he does play the wing, well, then somebody is going to fall out of the rotation from the wing position. Is it going to be? It's not going to be Eric Gordon. It's probably not going to be Daniel House because the Rockets have to showcase him in order to flip him at some point. Um, and it, I, I don't think it's going to be KJ Martin because he's playing really really well in the summer league again. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I think at this point, like the most likely position to take someone to the G League is going to be at that big man spot. I mean, my guess is it's right. probably going to be Singoon. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how Garuba looks. So I said I had to eat some crow, and he, he, here's where it is. I want to talk about Josh Christopher, and I think the best way to do that is to start by apologizing to Rockets GM Rafael Stone and, and Josh Christopher himself. Like, I... I, I didn't say that the Rockets drafted him solely because he he had relationships with people on the team, right? Jalen Green, KJ Martin. I definitely said that was part of Houston's decision making. I, I definitely thought at that point, at twenty four, Christopher seemed like a bit of a, rit, a reach. And you know, I what I, I think what I said on last week's podcast was like there were a tier there were a tier guys that Houston was probably looking at at twenty four, and they selected Christopher because of the relationship aspect that. It, May not be true, man. Christopher looks like he's a really he's a really good player. I mean, obviously it's summer league, because so it's you don't want to take too much away from it, but he looks like an, a legit NBA prospect and, and well rounded too. Like, he's really good as a playmaker. He's really good getting the basket transition uh, defensively. He's awesome. So I'm I'm gonna have to take I'm I'm gonna have to apologize a little bit here, man. Josh Christopher looks like someone who you know, may be someone even worth worth higher than the 24th pick. He might be like a top 20 pick. Yeah, you know, I kind of think that the the insinuation that he was selected uh, just because he's friends with Jalen Green, I think kind of got a little out of control. I kind of think it was putting the cart before the horse. Uh, we don't really know necessarily uh, what Josh Christopher will be at the pro level yet, but I kind of think that this is a guy who could be a valuable switch army knife, you know, down the road for Steven Silas and co. You know, he actually seemed more comfortable than I personally thought he would be putting the ball on the deck. I think his kind of defensive skill set is something that we always kind of assumed would be there. So I think it's just, you know, it's the Rockets. Their guys in summer league, it's kind of three for three. I think Christopher, the the warm-up period, you know, kind of the runway to him becoming a solid NBA player, I think might be a little longer here just because I don't know if he necessarily has the most standout skills. But this has the kind of uh, outline of a guy who should be a consistent contributor in years to come. He should grow. He should be a rotation player. Uh, at least I hope at some point in the coming years. So I think with the Rockets, um, this whole kind of Jalen Green friend thing, I don't really think that's why you would select someone with a number 24 pick, right? If it was late in the second round, it might be a little different. But there is a legitimate skill set there, and I'm happy he's been able to show it off uh, thus far in summer league. Yeah, you know, I, I want to bring up a few stats on Please. Josh Christopher. It's all per, all per synergy, and these, these are all very, very impressive numbers. Defending pick and roll, the, I mean, defending the pick and roll ball handler, 0.11 point per possession. Literally, he's had Oof. nine possessions. He's only allowed one point, um, and he's caused three turnovers um, in those possessions. I mean, it's 
he's he's been fantastic in that end, even you know uh, just guarding the perimeter. Um, on switches. I mean, he's just been a fantastic defender for them. He's been their vocal communicator. You can not only can you hear that from the mic'd up session he did against the Cavs, but you can watch him, you know, especially against uh, Detroit and see where he's pointing at players to go, see what he's doing. I mean, he's he's going to be somebody who's a, a valuable part of the defense just because of the fact that he's willing to talk and openly communicate. You'd be surprised how many guys in the NBA actually. For all that they say, we need to get better defensively. We need to better be better at communicating. They don't actually communicate every single position or most possessions. Christopher is a guy who does every single possession. That's going to help him a lot. Uh, um, and just one, one one final point for me on Christopher. There's been times where he's added ball pressure in the backcourt. You know, the Rockets have guards who can do that, but a guy like Christopher who's long and is able to recover still take gambles, but also stay on the hip and stay in front. He's going to be, I think, somebody who who becomes one of the best perimeter defenders on the, in the team. And potentially, mm-hmm. you know, the way they talk about him could be one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, you know, years down the line. But he has the tools to get there just because he's able to do that. And I think his ball pressure to me and the way he's, you know, been defending that pick and roll has been so, so impressive. Yeah, and Rafael Stone compared him to like Drew Holiday. And like, I see it, man. Like, he he's... He's actually like much bigger in person than I than I than I realized. Like he, he, even Jalen Green, by the way, like Jalen Green standing next to Cade Cunningham, like he might have been like one or two inches shorter, but not much. Like Cade Cunningham had clearly had longer arms, but the size discrepancy between the two is really not that evident. And with Christopher, it's pretty evident how how how, how much of a body he has, uh, and on the perimeter, he's yeah, he has the tools to be extremely valuable, and for. Uh, a guard rotation that has Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, cannot think of a more valuable type of player that you could play alongside those two guys. Yeah, and I also think one thing I want to point out, it seems like he, he's very mature for his age. You can kind of tell in these interview sessions uh, right after the draft and then also kind of, as Ali Khan said, mic'd up. He seems to be a guy who who appreciates and understands what his role in the NBA is going to be, right? He's a guy who understands he's going to make his money. He's going to be best served being a maniacal on-ball presence on the defensive end, making his bread there. And he'll grow as a shooter, right? I think that's the kind of thing where uh, it's going to be shaky at first on the offensive end, maybe a bit. Uh, otherwise, except for in transition, but knowing and being mature enough at 19 to know I'm going to have to be a standout defender to become a consistent rotation player. That's something that's really encouraging. Uh, and I think, you know, both uh, physically, he's larger than you thought he was, as you mentioned, he's a very mature guy. And I think the thing with all three of these rocket picks, uh, they do have some maturity to them where I think either from playing professionally in the G League or in Turkey uh, or just being kind of a cerebral person like Josh Christopher, I think starting this kind of new era with three guys like that is a very uh, sensible route from Rafael Stone and Co. Right, and yeah. and he's like ultra confident, man. Like he he's totally. a he's a guy who definitely does thinks he he probably should have gone the lottery. Just just to just to kind of highlight that even more, you know, you, we talk about the concept of it factor a lot, um, and I, I feel like at this point we throw we throw it out we throw it out out there way too much, just because a player is motivated, you know, they they have the want to be successful. A lot of players have the want to be successful. A lot of the players have the drive to be successful, but what separates those players is not only those who have the want and the drive, but who already have the talent and the ability and are able to kind of quickly men, uh, mold that together. I think the, the prospects the Rockets have have that ability. Um, and, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see kind of how things change moving forward. And I think 
the, the we, you know we, we got to give Rafael Stone and this player development staff credit. And I think that's going to really help this um, process of developing these guys you know much faster than we even think. KJ Martin, and I know we're going to get into him, but KJ Martin is a guy who you drafted in the fall, right? And then he hasn't even been with the whole ball club for over a calendar year. He's probably been there, I think, now nine months, eight months, if I did the math correctly. And once once you have that type of situation, you see how quickly he's grown from getting time, initially playing in the G League and coming to the NBA level, having this offseason to work out. And now in the summer league and seeing his growth, not only as a shooter, it's a night and day difference from where he was, seeing his growth as a playmaker and seeing how not only is he able to jump and, and have athleticism, but he's able to use that to draw in the def- defense and be able to make plays for others. Those types of things, just within a nine-month period, have really stood out to me about KJ Martin. And if that's the type of learning uh, a curve or proje- uh, progression that he's made, just imagine what they can do with a talented group like this um, who was drafted uh, – well, four, four first-round picks who were drafted in the first round. Elikan, you and I had that K.J. Martin freakout podcast at the end of last season. Like, uh, We're big fans, man. Like, K.J. Martin was a guy I, I think many people didn't see getting drafted last year. Like, the, When the Rockets went went ahead and bought a pick, I don't think any of us saw that K.J. Martin was the guy to go, to go buy the pick for. And listen, Rafael Stone has shown himself to be a guy who has a pretty decent eye for talent. Like getting KJ Martin that late in the second round, getting Josh reaching for Christopher at 24 and it looking like it wasn't a reach. It might actually have been too low for him. Like that's those are two big moves there that, you know, really show that, you know, he the, the guy really knows what he's doing in, in regards to the draft. Like he knows young prospects. The, the Rockets have four. No, they have six guys. 21 years or younger that look they all look really promising in their own in their own ways they're only six months out from the james Harden trade like that's incredible that they've they've been able to reload this quickly kj martin's a guy i don't see not getting minutes next season it's like the, the rockets just have to figure it out like i know they have a really really tough guard rotation well, someone, he played at the three last year when uh olenic and wood were on the floor right and, and I, I think that's a very likely scenario again when you have Tyson Wood there where you will have KJ play because KJ is able to and, and I think now even more so than last year his three-point shot will improve even a, I think just a marginal bit but he's able to weaponize his jumping ability he's able to weaponize his athleticism I think what I mean by that is if you watch a summer league he, he's he's primarily been on the perimeter in spot ups and I think he's shooting he's four of 11 on those attempts so far which is not bad um but you know for, for me just without the pick and roll attempts, he's crashing the glass. He, whenever he gets the ball in the catch and he's attacking the closeouts, he's making those quick one, two steps and he's getting ready to elevate. And that elevation and that threat of the elevation is what's drawing the defense from um, the weak side or from the near side corner. And he's making the right play. He's making the right passes. And I, I think that's been the most impressive part to me, not the shooting, not the leaping ability we knew was always there, but weaponizing his leaping ability to manipulate the defense and pass the others. That's something that I'm eager to see him um, do at the NBA level as well and see how he's improved. But you got to admit the shooting is impressive as well, right? Like this guy was not thought to be a shooter at the NBA level and became a 35% shooter. It might, might've been 36 last year. And like, that was something that I talked about uh, earlier on in the off season as, as something I wanted to watch for with KJ Martin this season. If he could continue that up, 
Like that's that's a big bonus to Houston's player development staff. Like that the fact that they, I'm not sure if if it's all them, but they definitely played a part in him becoming a a passable shooter at the NBA level. And once a game, KJ Martin has like a play where he tries to take someone's soul away, right? Like whether it's at the basket, like he's like he has the most almost highlight plays in the NBA, right? Like he where he doesn't quite get the highlight. New house in that category, by the way. Right, like exactly, like like he he won't get the he we might not get the highlight play, but the almost highlight is almost just as good, right? Like he's he'll try to dunk on somebody, he'll try to get someone at the rim. Oftentimes, he will get some guys at the rim for blocks, and um, yeah, he's just a freak athlete. Uh, and another one of those guys that's actually taller in person than you'd expect. He might just be a wing, like he might like I, the the Rockets might just have to play him at small forward again next season because. I, I don't see a, I don't see any way he plays the guard, <laughs> considering what Houston's rotation is going to be next year. It might the Houston's small forward ro- rotation next year might just be like Eric Gordon and KJ Martin and like Daniel House. Like I like they don't have many wings, and like I think KJ Martin's probably going to be a standout among those guys. Yeah, I, I think it's just the kind of thing with his boundless energy. It seems like it, it seems like it's he's the kind of guy. Um, that that knows when his team needs a spark on either end you know he's absolutely fearless he's the kind of guy that will get uh both his teammates going and yeah he, he's so much more of a complete player uh now compared to where he was as a rookie as you guys kind of noted now of course he has a ways to go but um you know he can switch both on the perimeter and guard at the rim now his shooting's evolving um it's another guy with Houston where he can play two, three, maybe even four positions. Um, and, and, you know, I think the overall thing that we have to focus on here is there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road this season, right? Yeah. I, I don't really necessarily see this team as, as anything but a fringe play in contender, right? But the amount of young talent that they have accrued uh, over the past year since the Harden trade and, and a little bit before, as you noted, has really put the franchise on a course where they can be successful. They have a lot of draft capital coming forward and, and there are going to be growing pains. But you're really seeing a blueprint for what this organization wants to look like in the next two, three, four, five years. And that's really the thing that I think is encouraging. When you play the long game, when you take a step back and see all the young talent that's here, they have a GM who seems to be really able to spot young talent. He seems like a really cerebral guy in Rafael Stone. Uh, and a head coach that we'll see in year two, hopefully with a healthy roster. Uh, but a guy I personally believe in, in Steven Silas. The overall structure of the organization, the overall direction of the organization, I think is really encouraging when we talk about all these young players they have. Right. It, yeah, I want it 100%. And like, th- this was an organization that looked like it was in shambles after Maury left, right? Mm-hmm. And totally. um, it looks like they still have a pretty solid infrastructure there. And this young core is the prime example of that. It's going to be interesting to see like just how competitive they can be next season. I, I agree. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think if anything, like their, their ceiling is probably going to be like a 10th seed. Um, but if they can get to like, you know, not be one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA next season, that's a big step up. Listen, like I, I, I think Houston's young core is pretty promising. It's been really fun to watch them in the summer league. I think they, they probably uh, are going to be a really competitive playoff out here. You know, maybe not in the NBA, you know, not yet, but de- definitely here it's going to be really tough to get them out. Um, and it's going to be really fun to see um, these last couple of games. I want to see some Usman Garuba, man. Like, 
We've we've heard a lot about Usman Garuba. Uh, I I got to watch a lot of his game when I was when I was re- doing some homework for the draft. But I want to see him in a summer league setting. I want to see how versatile of a defender this guy is. I want to position is he going to play exactly? Like, is he a wing or is he a big? Like, like I, I have no idea. I, I I tend to think he's probably like a power forward, but I don't know. He's a big right. Like, I I have no idea. I have no idea what Usman Garuba is going to be. But I'm I'm really excited to see him. Um, really excited to see the the, the closing of the summer league. Elikon and uh, and Michael, do you have anything to plug? Oh man, I, I don't know if anything necessarily is, is coming down the pike that's necessarily big. Um, but you can follow me on Twitter at mshap2. You can find my work at si.com. Um, and yeah, hope you boys have a nice little uh, rest of your off season. I'm sure we'll be getting started up here soon enough. Yeah, and my- Michael's great. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast. Please, please, please follow Michael. He does great work. Um, uh, for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Rockets underscore Insider. Have some good stuff uh, coming up soon on Steven Salas and um, other things as well. Um, really excited to kind of get into the, the, the depths of the offseason that's not you know live basketball to kind of share some content. And then we'll have training camp coming up here soon. So hopefully um, we three can see each other again. Definitely go follow Michael and Alikon on Twitter. Definitely go check out Alikon's work for the Athletic. Go subscribe to the Athletic. Um, it, there's a there's always deals going on. Is there a deal going on right now, Alikon? Dude, honestly, anytime me or Kelly post an article, is like 50, there's usually a fifty percent off coupon. Like you should do it. And I know a lot of people here, like either in grad school or they have a kid in school or some sort of school email address. Just use that. It's so much cheaper promise you it's great grab the podcast on itunes google play spotify and stitcher follow me on twitter at somali nba and yeah guys good night